Hey everybody, welcome back to the Retro Futures Culture Podcast. Today we're talking about a very special film. We're talking about the 1987 hit The Running Man starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just want to make sure everybody knows, check out all our great shows on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. I got a couple great guests with us tonight. I've got Mr. Duke and I've got Mr. B-Daddy. These guys love the Running Man. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this. The Running Man is a 1987 American dystopian action film directed by Paul Michael Glasser and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso, Richard Dawson, who's amazing, Yafet Koto, who may, might remember him from Alien, oh, yeah. and Jesse Ventura. <laughs> it is very loosely based on the 1982 novel of the same title written by Richard Bachman, later to re- revealed to be the Stephen King. The film story is set in a dystopian United States between 2017 and 2019 as about a television show called The Running Man, where convicted criminal runners must escape death at the hands of professional killers. Uh, now, Duke, B-Daddy, does that not sound like what possibly would be a television show on TV right now? Yes. <laughs> Definitely. <isn't it? laughs> no question. It's pretty. It's pretty eerie. How there's a lot of stuff that this movie really gets uh, gets, gets correct. Right. Yeah, like get like get set up and and uh, and and we have going on before we <laughs> before we get into the pure crazy plot of it. Uh, Duke, B Daddy, how you guys doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great as well. You're doing good in our uh, dystopian 2021 America. Our, our running man America, yeah. <laughs> you know, I since uh, I just don't read the news anymore and I just play Final Fantasy fourteen. my world is Final Fantasy fourteen, so it's okay. Well, it's probably yeah. better than uh, the running man or our world now, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say, yeah, that's good. Um, I remember, I mean, as a kid, I think... You know, B-Daddy, you and I are very close in age. Duke's not far behind. We grew up in the 80s with all these movies, right? I was 11 when Running Man hit, 10, 11. And uh, I I saw almost all of them in the theater. And if I didn't see that in the theater, I probably saw it on VHS right afterwards. But I'm pretty positive I saw this one in the theater. Um, Yeah, I I don't think I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I'm trying to remember it. It was either theater or it was VHS, but uh, I just remember being impressed at at Richard Dawson from Family Feud. From Family Feud, because I was like, "Whoa, that's that guy!" But he's being a real asshole in this in this movie. Like, um, yeah, he plays it so well too. Right, like swarmy, uh, and as game a show host to a T. As a ten, eleven year old, I probably just appreciated all the action and explosions and cheesy one-liners oh yeah it was um ultimate arnold movie at the time right when i revisited it later uh in my 20s i noticed that it was a very dystopian and then even recently i picked up the the blu-ray to watch it and i was like wow this is other than the cheese this is other really 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 relevant to a lot of things that have either already happened or are going on right now it's definitely pretty prescient um duke when's the first time that you remember seeing it what were your impressions <laughs> oh gosh so let's see um 
It looks like when it was released, I was five years old. So definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, little, not hey th- little Duke, I got a great movie. Let's go see. Running Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, totally happened. Um, it, it, I was going through a phase where I was. Um, so it was. I was in my twenties, and I was going through a phase where I was going back to all of the you know eighties, early nineties action heroes. Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was making certain that I watched all of the movies in there. And so I watched Running Man in the same period of time that I watched uh, Sixth Day, um, a bunch of his other, oh, action, Last Action Hero, just basically it was like an Arnold week for me. Um, but it still, it still sits in my memory too. Like when I watched it, twice this week <laughs> i was like oh yeah oh yeah it's like every every moment it, it's um, a very memorable film and yeah it's it's crazy i mean just the date of when the film story is set 2017 2019 that's crazy yeah d- definitely i mean look at 2016 that was the start of uh, our running man time timeline it's like the, the multiverse has converged. <laughs> wow. And beat Eddie. Um, you can't remember when you first started doing no, just I What was, are your, so some of your early memories of oh, seeing this movie? I'm, what did you think? I'm sure I saw it. I think I was nine when it came out. A7. Yeah, I was, I was nine. So I definitely didn't see it in the theaters. I probably saw it like somewhat after because, uh, my dad would rent all like the, the newest movies. I remember watching like Aliens when it came on a video, which I was probably like eight, which I probably shouldn't have watched. But uh, he, he oh same <laughs> yeah. So I I probably watched it when it first came out in uh, video, and I obviously I didn't get any of the underlying themes to it. I thought it was just an awesome action movie. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing his stuff, killing people, yeah, stupid quips and whatnot. Yeah, I, even when I was in my 20s, that was what I thought, which I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, like, you know, when you watch an Arnie movie, it's, it's you watch it for the action, obviously, and you watch it for yeah. the one-liners. Um, so, you know, that's what, that's what you watch, but this one has a little, uh, especially now, a little deeper meaning to it. Especially with, like, uh, you know, what's going on now with distrust of the media and media manipulation. So you watch it now and you're like, holy crap. That's right. That's what's going on now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get in. We're going to break down the story. Uh, If you're a regular listener of retro futures culture, this is going to be a hundred percent spoiler filled. If you have not seen this movie, how could you have not seen this movie? Come on. Right. Uh, and you don't want any spoilers, go watch it now. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. If it's not, you can rent it on Amazon Prime or iTunes or Voodoo. It's on or sale. Or pick up Am- Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> right. So uh, do that now if you are interested in this movie. It is a good film. It's a little cheesy, but it's worth it's worth checking out. It's worth your time. All right. So we're going to get into the story. So the Running Man story by the movie version. We'll talk about the book difference in a minute. 
Uh, by 2017, the United States has become a totalitarian police state following a worldwide economic collapse. That's just an eerie date considering what you just said, Daddy. The government pacifies <laughs> the populace through the Running Man, a broadcast game show. Oh, it feels like they're doing that right now. Yeah. Where criminals fight for their lives as runners fleeing from armed mercenaries named stalkers to earn a state pardon. Ben Richards, a police helicopter pilot, is framed for a massacre during a food riot in Bakersfield, California. He's arrested by his colleagues and put in a labor camp. 18 months later, he escapes with two resistance fighters, Harold Weiss, geeky guy with the glasses, and William Laughlin, finding refuge in their camp, led by their leader, Mick, who is played by Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac. Yes, that is correct. I, the resistance <laughs> Oh my god. I never knew that. You didn't know that? <laughs> no. Isn't I isn't it supposed to be Mick Fleetwood in real life in the movie, like playing himself? Yeah. Because, pretty much. Because he says yeah, at the and, beginning and there. Diesel Zappa, yeah. Diesel Zappa, Frank Zappa's son is in this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's his right hand man. Yeah, but he says that resist- he's like you. He's like you banned my music and you know blah blah blah. <laughs> it's great. All right, the resistance group looked to hijack the ICS broadcast network's uplink facilities to expose the government's lies. Ben Richard departs. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Visiting his brother's apartment, finding it now occupied by Amber Mendez, so a composer. Right, learning. <laughs> You know, there's a string where Arnold's in a movie, and there's a hot brunette in the movie with him. Have you noticed? Oh this? yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Was that part of his contracts, or maybe? <laughs> I must have a hot brunette in my movies. <laughs> Athletic build, demure, um, <laughs> demure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your accent's uh, much better than mine. <laughs> um, Richards takes Mendes hostage to flee to Hawaii because she has a pass and means to get there, but is arrested at the airport when Mendes alerts security. Richard meets Richards meets Damien Killian, the charismatic but ruthless host of The Running Man. Let's take a little break here just to talk about Richard Dawson kills it playing this character. Like He does an uncanny job of being this total scumbucket game show host. Like He does so good, I kind of wonder if... He was just playing himself because I really don't know well, the real guy. If you, uh, yeah, but if you like watch some of the clips of him on like uh, Family Feud, especially when he's like going to the families and he's like kissing all the women and stuff, it's uh-huh. kind of like creepy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of eerie how well they uh, cast it, that part. And he really like every scene he's in is actually really, really good. He has some of the best parts oh, in yeah. the movie and the like him behind the show, like dealing with the government and like when he sees the footage of the, of Ben Richards making the escape, the escape, he's like, I want that guy. Those biceps will get me 18 million points. Yeah. Right there. Like, yeah. He's, just like, Those biceps he's not alone. concerned with him. He's not concerned with him as a person. He's concerned with what he can yeah. do for his ratings. Hello. You know what beautiful. I mean? All he sees. Yeah. Okay, so Killian coerces Richards to participate in the show in exchange for Weiss and Laughlin's freedom. However, as the game begins, Killian sends all three men into the game show arena uh, into an abandoned part of Los Angeles. This is part of L.A. after some giant earthquake. Earthquake of 97. Right, earthquake of 97, and this area is divided into four quadrants. Um, You know, right around demolition man time. Right, yeah, I was about to say, I was going to say, this is eerily kind of like Demolition Man. They use the three seashells are, when they go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, 
They are attacked by Professor Sub-Zero, not from Mortal Kombat. I'm pretty sure Mortal Kombat got the name from, from Running Man. But uh, <laughs> he's a big Asian man that wears hockey gear with a razor-sharp uh, hockey stick. And uh, But Richards defeats him, making the first time a stalker has died on the show. And, and this part's great because the audience is like, oh, they're all so freaked yeah. out. They'd never seen anything like that. And at first, Jaws hit the, floor. the audience... The audience is still on the side of the stalkers and Killian, and that changes as the story goes on. Discovering that Richards was framed, Amber Mendez finds the original, because she works for the network, finds the original unedited footage of the Bakersfield Massacre. However, she is caught and sent into the game zone. Joined by Mendez, Richards, Weiss, and Laughlin search for the uplink. Killian deploys two more stalkers, Buzzsaw and Dynamo, to go after the four runners. <laughs> Buzzsaw is the uh, big Mohawkian football player guy with the chainsaw, and Dynamo is a light bright, um, over, <laughs> light bright overweight yeah. opera singing light bright guy that shoots electricity. <laughs> He's kind of an odd character. Yeah. Um, Weiss and Laughlin find the uplink station mendez memorizes the access codes buzzsaw mortally wounds laughlin uh richards is able to bisect buzzsaw with his own chainsaw that's a great fight scene yeah it's a lot of fun dynamo electrocutes weiss but is incapacitated by richard who spares the stalker he kind of shoves that like um rebar like that rebar a piece of metal rebar through his shoulder kind of pins him there. And Laughlin tells Richards that the resistance have a hidden base in the area before in the arena before dying of his wounds off the air. Killian offers Richards a position as a stalker, which the enraged Richards refuses. Then uh, they decide to bring fireball in who's played by Jim Brown, former football player. And he really is kind of a, out of all the stalkers, I felt like they kind of wasted his talent a little bit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say much. He's kind of generic looking. He's got like some gray streaks in his hair and he's just wearing like uh kind of like that gray jumpsuit. The only cool part is that he flies. Yeah. He isn't dropped in like the other stalkers. He like flies in on a jetpack. That was kind of cool. While they're being hunted by Fireball, Amber Mendez finds corpses of the show's alleged past winners uh that said they like got a vacation to Hawaii. They're all Wait, they're all dead Price, to a Chris. There they are. Yeah. Basking under the Maui sun. <laughs> Did you literally just watch this like just now? No, I, just, I I've watched this movie way too many times. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh revealing the show's promise of pardons are all false. Because obviously you never leave. Richards rescues Mendez and kills Fireball by sabotaging his, his uh gas tank and throwing a road flare and setting him afire. Now the viewers are cheering for Richards on the show and Killian asks former stalker Captain Freedom who's played by Jesse the Body Ventura to fight. When Freedom refuses, the network stages a battle of digitized stand-ins. So Duke, this is the part we were talking about yeah. the night. The deep fake. Um, they do they yeah they do deep bake deep fakes before deep fakes were a thing in this movie where it shows captain freedom fighting a stunt man and they superimpose ben richard's face with computer 
onto the stuntman to make it look like he's dead. So the audience thinks the whole world that's watching the running man show thinks that Ben Richards and Amber were killed by captain freedom. Yeah. It's uh, it's spooky now that I think about it, you know, and, and how close it is to today, because I would say around 2017, uh, was when deep fake started becoming a real, you know, a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now of course it's, it's, it, everybody accepts it as a thing. But when I originally watched this, I thought that's far out sci-fi, you know, I thought, and maybe we won't even get there, but we did. Right. Yeah. I think that was the same reaction I had. I was like, God, they'll never be able to do something like that. That's cool. That's funny that they did that in the movie. And now it's like really, really easy to do. Actually, you can do it with a Mac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, let's see. Then uh, Mick Fleetwood locates Richard and Mendez, revealing their fake deaths using the access code. The resistance storms the ICS control room and broadcasts the original footage of the Bakersfield massacre, showing that Ben Richards didn't. Um, mercilessly kill people he was trying to save people and showing the, de- the deceased runners that were never actually pardoned to expose killian and the government's lies about the whole running man show. where did they get those pictures from of the deceased uh right <laughs> yeah. runners that's what I- <laughs> hey you know every daddy sometimes you just gotta roll with it but <laughs> i guess yeah no because because amber and ben richards didn't have a camera exactly with them yeah i don't know yeah that's like i actually had that thought going through my mind i was like wait a minute they didn't even take any pictures or did maybe they just have security cam that they yeah ma- yeah maybe 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 or maybe you know that it was they were really sprinting everywhere and they just stumbled upon a camera and they ran all the way back to take those pictures but nah yeah then the resistance fighters battle the ICS security force. Dynamo uh, assaults Mendez in his underwear, which is really gross. Mendez then sets <laughs> off the water sprinkler system, which kills him. Yeah, they're not too tight on these. <laughs> Richards confronts Killian, who claims that the show appeases to the populace's love of televised violence and begs him to reconsider rich Richards forces Killian into a rocket powered sled, sending him flying into the game zone and fatally crashing into a billboard. As the audience celebrates, Richard reunites with Mendez departing the studio as the broadcast network goes down. And the best part is as all really good eighties movies end, it ends with the 1980s arena rock tune that's super catchy and makes you feel good about yourself because you just watched a total dystopian movie. <laughs> but they turned it around. Also, ended on a high note. Also, <laughs> also, I didn't realize this, but um, if you watch all the way through the end credits, once that song is over, then they have advertisements playing as if they were set in that world. Like TV right. advertisement audio. I thought that was really cool. Huh. I don't think I've ever watched that that long. That's pretty cool. Oh, that movie is so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that being said, uh, Duke, what were your favorite moments, takeaways, bits from this movie? <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty certain B Daddy's going to cover all of the all of the really good ones. <laughs> One thing that I thought was funny now, and and I can't really laugh at it, or, or a couple of things, I can't really laugh at it, but it's it's just the difference in 
what they had available for visual effects then and what we have available now. When Captain Freedom comes in and he's wearing that like tin armored thing, <laughs> the, that, the that, Gobots that's uniform. So, that, <laughs> yeah, that oh, not only Captain did that look, yeah. not only did that look fake, that looked like you know it was it was plastic oh, yeah. painted over with chrome <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I wouldn't go in there wearing exactly. that either. That's not going to protect you for anything. <laughs> oh. And then. um the, you know the little little go kart vehicles, oh, travel that, vehicles. That's the one thing that kills me about that movie is the vehicles are so bad. It's like they took those, like they use. I swear to God, they use the leftovers from uh, the Running Man in Total Recall for the cars. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably did. They're like exactly the same. They're all like wedge shaped, really low cars, like the stupid Johnny Cab and that. Ah, uh, car, dad. <laughs> cars as envisioned if cars started off as U-Haul yeah. boxes. And that <laughs> that stupid troop transport on the uh, tarmac when they get uh, Richards. Oh, yeah, when they shoot him with yeah, the net. That thing is so cheesy looking. It's like, come on. That's like, that's my own, like my only gripe with that movie. And then I see Dynamo's stupid little ATV car. It, uh, it makes me irate. <laughs> He doesn't even yeah, fit in that exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. He's just this big guy in a little yeah, car. Yeah, fat man in a little car. The best part is it plays that music. He's like he's like mouthing along with it too. Yeah, it's like something out of a Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess it can be, I don't know, satire for some, but it's just terrible. It's that's the the one thing that gets me every time I watch that movie. That and Dynamo. He's just so cheesy. Freaking just put a bunch of light brights on his costume and call it a day. It's like, hey, light bulb, the Christmas tree. Another Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I love, I love, they had so many good quotes in that movie. Yeah, that's what I said. If you played a drinking oh, game, yeah. you'd be drunk pretty quick, like halfway through the movie, and then you would probably be passed out by the end of the movie. Yeah. And it's a big, when he first kills Sub Zero, he's like, Look at Sub Zero. Now playing Zero. Now playing like Zero. He, he's yeah. up in the world. Like Sub Zero like, <laughs> is to, in any world that I'm from, it's below zero. So he's moving up in the world. It's like, is that an insult? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, the movie's so good. And it, I, yeah, I, and it has the one thing that like. Uh, I cringe at every time I watch though is when uh Amber when the, uh they first bring Richards into the uh ICS uh studios and she's standing at the Cadre Cola machine with the lady and in the lady soccer and she's like, Oh, that's Ben Richards. Oh she's like, oh, he didn't kill you or rape you and or rape you and kill oh, yeah. you. Yeah, it's that's, like that's so <laughs> weird. Yeah. And then she takes like the long slow drag on her cigarette. It's like, whoa, rape fantasy much? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Duke? What are you, what are you, or, uh, not B-Daddy, what, what other takeaways do you have there? Oh. <laughs> I love this. The, the movie is so good. It, the, the Sub-Zero fight is a little, uh, I don't know, because the whole hockey rink setup they have there is like, I don't know how Sub-Zero kills anybody in there. It's all angles and boards where 
like, <laughs> when, when you missed uh, when you missed Richards, he like slammed in the boards and basically like almost knocked himself out. Uh, and he, just a dude on skates. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but I love Sub Zero. That that character is awesome. Uh, the Buzzsaw fight was awesome. That was great. That ex- except for the stupid chainsaws on the uh, dirt bike. That's a, I don't know how you could swing a chainsaw going like 30 on a dirt bike and not like fall off. But then when he uh, splits him in half, where's Buzzsaw? He had to split. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just the whole movie is is really good. Just like everything, like the action is like spot on, eighties Arnold. And then when you watch it again, when you know you're older and you have to think about it, is uh is great too. Just and especially now with everything that's going on with the disinformation, media manipulation, deep fakes, it's almost like it. It's it's almost like you predicted a lot of stuff that's happening now. Right, and even like the sort of media bias and like almost for sure there are certain media outlets are being paid by certain political parties or governments to run spins Uh, on stuff. All the dark money. Right. And and then Amber goes into the files too and she finds like the unedited Bakersfield massacre video. You think like how stupid, but... Look at all the stuff that happens now when people like have like hard copies of, you know, original unedited stuff, and you think nobody would ever keep that, but they do. I said, it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's come on, they're mementos. Yeah, exactly, they, it was moment the government was proud of, and that's why they yeah, kept it. It's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's always somebody keeping that. I think for blackmail for somebody else. Yep. Yeah. Like even though they used it to frame somebody, I'm sure they're keeping it as blackmail or evidence for somebody yeah, else. Yeah, for the person that. And with deep fakes, they can make it. They can make it be anyone. Yeah. yeah. They yeah, keep it to true. frame the person that made yeah. the deep fake. Yikes! Yikes! All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick station identification break. Please check out this moment from Ruminations Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com. And welcome back to Retro Futurist Culture. Tonight's episode, we are talking about The Running Man, 1987, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, talking about government corruption, media payoffs, dystopian future. Are we talking about right now? Maybe. Um, There's also, so the movie came out in 87. The book was actually released in 1982. Hmm. Um, The original book was written under the pseudonym Richard Bachman. And uh, that was a pseudonym that Stephen King was trying to use for stuff that he felt didn't quite fit his regular horror kind of theme. He tried to keep that Richard Bachman pseudonym going, but every time he wrote something, if they found out that it was really him, it would kind of leak. Yeah. I think there was a, there was a person like a, a person that actually did the, the digging to find out that it was him and outed him. 
yeah, I kind of like ruined it. I mean, that was that was oh, yeah. the eighties. Um, the the main difference is in the book, and this this, this is actually kind of the same with um, Total Recall too. And this is, I mean, you, you when you cast Arnold, you can't really have him play Joe Sixpack against who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in in the original Running Man novel, he was this accountant scrawny guy, and of course, if you're casting Arnold to play <laughs> the main character, they'd have to change that quite a bit. Um. You know, and he's uh, instead of being framed as a cop and killing people, he was uh, he was blacklisted from his trade. His gravely ill daughter needed medicine. His wife has resorted to prostitution. Like it's a very uh, kind of d- different dystopian. But um, future. now that you mentioned the prostitution, um, what about OnlyFans? <laughs> <laughs> Following a uh, pandemic, people trying to make yeah. a living. Yeah, I guess they're pulling that content from only. No, fans. no, 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 no. They they yeah, went they back did. on it. Yeah. Oh well, there we go. I mean, who's going to use OnlyFans? You know, that's their bread and butter. I mean, not that I've ever used it, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean i was just saying that it's it's interesting you say that because even in the book form i still find that those things you mentioned going on there like you know with an accountant being blacklisted from his job you have that happening simply from uh people posting something on twitter or you know facebook yeah. or whatever yeah um, the the book has a little bit more of a darker ending because at the end of the book um, Richards hijacks a plane and he kills Killy and they crash into a building. It's it's kind of like wow. club. It's like whoa, <laughs> whoa. Yeah, the book was really good, but yeah, it's it's totally different than the movie. But yeah, it's a little, it's a little more dark. It doesn't leave anything open, and and I think um, as much as the movie changed the book, I think sort of the main idea was still there and. Hollywood at the time, I don't think was ready for that. Interesting. No, it wouldn't. I don't think it would as well if it, they stuck to the book. Right. There's a new adaptation of this original novel being done by Edgar. Yeah, that's what Wright, I heard. And we'll Ooh. see how this turns out because that could end up being. I could see them doing it a lot closer to the book, but that's going to be weird because for a whole generation, they're all going to think of the. Arnold I don't know because I mean, right. unless like you're really. An '80s action fan. I don't think you you're gonna anybody's gonna watch The Running Man. It may, yeah, we may be we may be past the point of people caring yeah. at this point. Because at this um, point, it's only like the you know the the cult following that really would compare it. I mean, I mean Running Man as a film is 34 years yeah. old now, and it's not it's so. not like a culturally significant film either for in the eyes of a lot of people. I mean, I love it, but I feel like I'm in the, the minority. Would you say that you would buy that for? I a would dollar? definitely buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh my! Uh, for a dollar? <laughs> that's another one. That's like yeah, right there too. Just about. I was uh, covered on RFC, like episode uh, three or something. That's another yeah. great one yeah oh yeah um 
I was going to say, uh, let's see. So, yeah, the book, I read the book Me forever too. ago. So I just looked at, like, the summary of it. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I totally forgot about that. I think I read the book shortly after I saw the movie. I think I saw the book in the library and I read it. Um, and I was like, this isn't anything like the movie. Yeah. I, <laughs> I remember I moved to Florida and I had a lot of free time in my hands. So I read a ton of Stephen King stuff. And, yeah, that was I read that. I think uh, The Long Walk, Rage, most of his, like, Bachman books. and. That was probably my favorite. But yeah, then I watched the movie and I was like, the hell? <laughs> yeah. So it's I, a little I had different. never read the book at all. Actually, I, I didn't even know Stephen King was a basis material for this. Um, and it was only recently that I also discovered that about Shawshank Redemption. I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but I guess I never knew of his pseudonym. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's yeah. all good. Um. Yeah, so they're they're making a remake. Uh, Edgar Wright, probably closer to the book. Yeah, that'll be interesting I'll definitely to see. Be, I'm um, interested to see that. I think it'll be really good. Yeah, there were some uh, interesting things. Uh, they did a 30th anniversary screening in 2017 of the original Running Man, and a BBC journalist, uh, having made accurate. Accurate predictions about life in 2017, including economic collapse and offering a critique of American television culture. The film's writer, Stephen D'Souza, himself reinforced these predictions in a podcast interview with Vice Magazine. And he said the film correctly predicted the widening gap between the rich and the poor. And oh that's my gosh, yeah. Depicting homeless shanty towns and skyscrapers for the wealthy resembling the real New York and LA and societal obsessions with reality TV. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, reality TV, it's, it's all into the TV I, now. It, right. And I, that all kind of started, I mean, there was a few things, but like the real world was the first reality TV that I remember like being in your face beside that and cops. <laughs> <laughs> But I would say that cops isn't. I would say there's different sorts of reality TV, and this is this is the de degenerative sort or the right. the lowest common denominator. Cops, at least, I, I'm not going to say whether uh, it's a great show, but cops, at least, it was still based in mm. reality. You yeah, but it was still made oh, for definitely. entertainment. Anything that's Anything that's going on a network band TV is there to make money, to sell advertising, to sell products. And oh, one, sure, of the, but one of the interesting things on the Running Man Blu-ray that I have, there's a documentary when they talk about it, and they actually talk to the people that made like Survivor and stuff. And they talked about how, you know, a lot of people don't understand that reality TV isn't all that real. Like a oh, lot of yeah. it's scripted. A lot of it's like they're encouraged to do stuff. They're encouraged to stab each other in the back. They're encouraged to use fake names if they want. They're encouraged to like play a totally different character. Like they interviewed this woman from Survivor and they told her, yeah, if you want to be super slutty and you can do this and change your name and do that or whatever. And it's, uh, it was really fascinating to see that that's how manipulative oh, they get. Of course. Cause no, shows. everybody wants oh, yeah. to see the CD darker side of things. You know, they're not just like the news. The news is all like uh, doom and gloom with like a couple of like feel good stories sprinkled in there. If everything, no one wants to see feel good stuff. Same thing with cops. If you had like, 
like followed the real police department around. Well, it's not real, but I mean like an average day police department. It's not all kicking down like drug den doors and out in Skid Row. It's like it's <laughs> writing yeah. tickets, <laughs> waiting for someone to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so I guess under that, I would agree. Yeah, the editing in it, but there's still. But, I would hope they're not faking oh, those exactly. arrests or being bribed. But it's the same thing that. with like uh, like the Running Man. It's all like the, the trash, the generative society, yeah. and people love to see it. See people having a life worse than theirs. And it's interesting, too, because if you think about all of the things that are happening coming together today um, in our in our world, and then you go back to the Roman Empire, where the gladiators, which obviously influenced oh, yeah. us, too. I mean, just the, uh, just the gladiatorial had, games, that's like their version of the running man. Yeah. Yeah. They, and society was in that same sort of space there, too. You know, really just falling apart well to get like the, um, the pinnacle of a society it's like where you can't really go any higher and you don't want it right you don't want right. it to fall to go down because if you're the emperor and you have everything you could ever want and more you don't want to lose that so you got to keep the 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 plebs all satiated and you know just throw the christians to the lions and give them blood yeah it's just like i don't yeah, Very I mean, I don't true. want to say we're at the pinnacle of, you know, our society now, but it almost seems like that, you know? I mean, look at COVID. Like, Rome's burning, <laughs> Nero's playing a fiddle. I mean, that's like Trump, basically. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It sucks. It's... But to, to a Running Man's credit, too... Um, I would say it's an example of really good sci-fi by looking into history like that to get that, get those ideas and then thinking, okay, so if we take ourselves where we are now, what would be realistic technology that we can kind of see happening um, from there? A lot of times when I watch older science fiction movies um, and they're set in like the 2020s or so. It's stuff that was really like outlandish sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's the scary thing about like the Running Man and how like prescient it is. It's like they they actually it wasn't pie in the sky sci-fi. It was you know almost grounded in reality because really thirty years mm-hmm. back isn't really that much in time. If you think of the technology they had then, no. or at least like the military has, which is always you know a few beats ahead of what the civilian world has because it all trickles down. I mean, it wasn't really that, Oh my God, that's, you know, that's never going to happen. I mean, deep fakes. Yeah. That happened like digital video when she's going, when Amber's going through like the, their archives, it's like digital video copy. <laughs> those funny little, those funny little. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Grant- <laughs> I like these, like, wait, the line where he's like, where did you get that? She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's <laughs> wouldn't you like to know or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or he's like, where did you hide that? No. She's like, wouldn't you like to know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it is like almost, well, it is now real tech, but back then it wasn't too crazy. Which is, yeah. I, which which I like. I like the the sci-fi that's like that. I mean, I love stuff like Aliens that's in the future and stuff that has like 
some crazy tech, but my kind of sci-fi is when it's, you know, almost attainable and it's just exactly. near future sci-fi. I, I mean, I gotta say though, because we're gonna we're gonna definitely go into Alien and Aliens on the show at some point here in the near future. Um, those two movies got a lot of things right about what's going on in the world well, the, now. I mean, corporate uh, corporations you know rule I mean? the world now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, right. you don't think about it, but they, they were, do. They everything, were... everything that's popular and big now is controlled by, you know, maybe a dozen or so huge companies, which gets whittled down inevitably. Yeah, I think I read... Uh... I think I read a recent statistic about just about uh, which companies own like over ninety percent of the digital data about us, and it's in the, yeah. it's in the teens. It's it's a single. It's a very small number. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yikes! Man, well, that was good, guys. Um, any last words or last thoughts about Running Man? Why somebody should watch Running Man? Any other any other things you want to throw out there about this movie? Uh, let's start uh, with you, Duke. I would say first off, if you want to see uh, a true inspiration for the Hunger Games, I mean, yeah, it's the exactly that right is there. like the Hunger Games, really. Yeah, if you want to see where that came from. You should watch The Running Man. Yeah, that was like our Hunger Games. It was The Running Man. Yeah, I, I say if you just want a, a great sci-fi movie, is The Running Man. It gives you, you know, awesome Arnie, great lines, and then you have a, a good story if you really want to think about it, too. I mean, you don't think of that with Arnie, but it's a good story. Yeah, and I would say that uh, if you are 30 years in the future listening to this podcast and you want to know what life is like right now, (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty good, Duke. That was pretty good. Wow. Uh, All right, gentlemen. Well, that's been awesome. Um, Duke, B Daddy, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I want to thank our listeners. You guys have been listening to the Retro Futurist Culture, a production of Ruminations Radio Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review our show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, uh, any podcast listing service. You can probably find us. We'd love to connect with you on our social media. You can find us via Twitter um, at Futurist Retro. Visit RuminationsRadioNetwork.com for additional great shows such as Ruminations of Red Rum and Cinephile Hissy Fits. And for all your burning questions and passionate feedback, drop us a line at RuminationsRadio at gmail.com. This is Hoptimus running out with the Retro Futures culture. Duke, B-Daddy, thank you guys so much. Always a pleasure. We'll see you next time. You know what they all say, fantasy football is like a box of chocolates. And I know you, you love fantasy football, 
and you love chocolates. Well, 25 Yards Later is a fantasy football podcast with top-notch analysis, earworm music, and plenty of laughs. Each week, we dive deep into four games, putting every fantasy-relevant and occasionally fantasy-irrelevant player under a microscope. Block out all the haters with 25 Yards Later, available wherever you get your podcasts, but maybe not where you get your chocolates.